the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track today. Get yourself 40% off your first year subscription on comprehensive coverage, insightful analysis across the sports world. Long form writing, podcasts, pretty much anything you need, including fantasy information, sports business information. They're hitting all the elements of sports coverage every single day, really every single hour. And you can see many of those articles and the sidebars or on your mobile devices on spotrack.com right now as we speak. Sign up today, theathletic.com slash spotrack. Let's welcome to the show, Scott, right out of the gate here. I got a couple of topics to get to. I know you got a couple of questions yourself. Let's talk NFL, Scott. Got to pay the bills here. <laughs> Speaking of which, 17 games. Let me ask you this, because we both kind of follow this stuff as close as anybody out there. Do you have any idea what the hell's going on yet? <laughs> Not at all. Could there be Not. a bigger change with less information in the world? Yeah. I, I mean, for- I think we knew mo- we knew more about the TV money yeah. and the impending <laughs> signing of that mega deal. And then 17 games sort of dropped out of the sky and was like, oh, this is happening. All right. So obviously I've been spending much of the morning doing two things. Finalizing opening day baseball rosters, which is easier said than done because a lot of things come down to the wire in terms of who's going to be on the IR or not. Um, you know, who's up, who's down. There's 26 men. There's a, there's a taxi squad again this year. There's a lot of moving parts in baseball. So I'll be working on that probably until Friday, perfectly honestly. And then the other thing I've been doing is trying to research this 17th game. And what does it mean? Obviously from a football standpoint, but also of course, from a, salary cap, cash, player, contract standpoint. And the latter is where there's a lot of gray area. And the people that I follow kind of closely and speak to closely, we're all kind of in the same boat of assuming as such what I'm about to lay out. But I don't think we have anything set in stone, concrete. And even here's here's how my morning's gone, right? I've been reading NFL CBA again, you know, over coffee this morning. So you can tell how good of a Wednesday I'm having, Scott. I pulled some language out. Let me ask you this. You're you're on the outside looking in here. You're kind of an average fan now. You haven't probably done the research that I've done. What is your assumption with the 17th game, financially speaking? Mm, I guess it goes to whatever the agent put in the language of the contract that is signed more so more so for these free agent contracts even even if they had a smell that 17 games was going to come this season mm-hmm. you know you you have to hope the agent sort of did a due diligence of uh, compensating for the 17th game so that you know roster bonuses are going and using percentages or anything like that you know the guys that are already under contract they're the ones that are going to really be, you know, at a disadvantage because they're already locked in. So um, does, does that mean that guys that already signed contracts or extensions or anything like that and has anything roster or incentives based on games, you know, does that mean all those contracts have to get re restructured for a 17th game? Because under, the original CBA that was signed, they were assuming 16 games when everything was happening. So I'm sure the lawyers and agents and all that are are scrambling just as much as you are trying to figure out what is the right, you know, language, verbiage, any of that. Okay. So it's a pretty good guess. And it is even more complicated in my assumption than you've laid out there. <laughs> According to what the CBA said, and now some of the pieces I'm starting to put together from the NFL gurus, here's how this is going to work. Anyone on a minimum salary is not getting the the 17th game check. (laughs) So I wanted to make that first because I have a feeling that that isn't known enough right now. And I think there's going to be some future backlash. Now, look, they signed it. And here's the tr- here's what the CBA actually says. I'm not going to give you the verbatim, but I'm going to I'm going to tell you how this is laid out. 
the trade-off for the minimum salaries not getting the extra game check is, well, we boosted your minimum salaries. There was a huge jump this year. Oh. So we escalated in, in preparation for a 17th game. That's fine. That's fine. But why wasn't that just part of the CBA anyway? You know, so there's semantics with that. But if you're if you're a player on a, on a minimum salary, and if you even if you play in week 18, you will not be getting the extra cash this year. Mm. So the second point is this, and it's the question I've been really trying to answer. And this is, like I said, a, a, an educated assumption now. This will not count against the cap. The CBA has allocated this cash from various other areas. So, for instance, the performance-based check, those post-season bonuses that players get for kind of outperforming their rookie contracts, things like that. The rookie redistribution fund, um, player benefit pools. There's three or four different areas that the CBA has laid out to basically say, hey, we're going to use money from there to pay these guys for the 18th week. So it's not going to be essentially additional salary per se. It's going to be kind of like a bonus check. And in that term, and so for right now, it's considered not likely to be earned. It's just going to be a post regular season bonus payment. If they play in that week, there's, (laughs) there's more, it's way more complicated. Don't worry. There's more. Again, you can't be on a minimum contract. Here's the next thing. If you signed your contract, and I believe the date is February 25th, 2020. I believe that's when the original CBA was signed. It wasn't yet ratified, but signed. I believe that's the date. Don't hold me to that, but it's around the 25th of February, 2020. If you had a contract signed after that date, so essentially anyone in free agency last year and certainly anyone in free agency this year, you do not qualify for this extra bonus because it, because the league is saying, you knew this was coming. Your eight, you and your agent should have been able to figure out how to, how to overcompensate a little bit for this extra week coming. So, so just to lay out how it's going to work for us, Scott, again, no cap, just cash, no minimum salary guys. Um, anyone with a contract that was signed prior to 22-25-20 will qualify if, they're, if they play in week 18. So you and I are going to have to <laughs> flag. I'm just going to say this out loud on the air. You and I are going to have to flag every single player week one as eligible for that week 18 bonus or not so that we can properly track their cash payment at the end of the year. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, I do. Because, I if do. They, because for instance, if they're waived week six and sign a new contract, they are now no longer eligible. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's a contract that was signed after 20, after 2020. So well, and then if they signed it as a minimum going on another team, then that's no another, longer qualify. Yeah. Here's what I don't know the answer to. And it's an important question. So I hope this really starts to get some steam. There was talk last February leading up to the new CBA. There was talk that this extra payment, this cash payment, which we didn't know the, the, the proper semantics for just yet. There was talk that it was going to be capped. Okay. That if you made more than $250,000 per game check, you were going to be capped at 250 or at 400, whatever they agreed upon. I did not see that language in the CBA. So it's possible that that's something that, that got negotiated out in the final edition. And, and I hope so, because you've got some, some guys that could make some serious coin here. Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, 1.4 million a week on their base salary. So you've got some guys who are set to make some good coin. And you know, there's, a, there's a good chunk of players over a half a mil per week on their base salaries right now. They got fleeced in the CBA. We all knew it the day they signed it. It was rushed. It was pushed through. The minimum guys got kind of baited into um, herd, a herd kind of a system, right? Let's let's just get the one to two year guys together and and make them happy with what we're saying out loud, so that they vote in favor, and then we'll be good to go. Okay, so let's get off of this t- as much as possible. What kind of questions do you have on that? Yeah, so. All right. So the first thing that comes to mind is if you, if the NFL calls this a bonus check, I remember when I was a teacher, the school system had extra money. They decided to give us a bonus during the middle of the year. That bonus was taxed differently than 
if it was just part of my actual salary. That's a great question. So it's time to it, have if, Robert on. <laughs> right. And, and that's where if, if the NFL is deeming this as a quote unquote bonus check, yeah. the players that are going to get this money, that, that weekly paycheck is going to get probably taxed different than if it was part of their usual, you know, one through 16 game check. So that is something I think that we have to find out from Robert once he figures out, you know, what yep. the language is. Well, how, quite how frankly, Scott, it might be it might be that I'm misspeaking, you know, in calling it a bonus. You know, it's possible that the that the legalese says, you know, additional salary compensation or something to to combat that. I would hope that whatever it is, Scott, it is it is in the the favor of the players from a tax standpoint. I hope that they took that kind of you know that kind of stance because what does it matter to them? You know, yeah. what, what does it matter to the league? So, so it's a great question. It's a great point. We'll try to get some clarity on that. What, what else do you have? What are you confused about? So as you've mentioned, the, the caps will remain as is moving forward. So not when, confirmed yet, but a, <laughs> largely right. assume that this does not touch the cap. Yes. So it is, is from what you're seeing, just based on this season or does this count for you know next season where there's already roster bonuses allocated in for the incentives that have been signed for extensions or free agent signings or is this just a one-time thing and then when you have to go in to do you're likely to be earned and a guy gets 17 games as likely to be earned do you have to cap that at 16 so the so you're asking two different questions, and they're both good. So the first part of your question is what happens after this year? Is this just kind of an anomaly year, and do they have a different strategy next year? The, the only anomaly this year, Scott, is that they're going to pull from a bunch of places this year to fund it for a lot of reasons. Um, starting next year in 2022 to 30, assuming that there's enough money in the reserve, it's all going to pull from the rookie redistribution fund, um, which essentially has been eliminated in, in lieu of this. <laughs> Okay. More money that rookies are not going to make, by the way, and minimum right. guys are not going to make. So the, not only did the minimum guys not get the extra check and they don't get now the, the postseason bone, you know, performance bonus checks. They're just being told, yeah, but we're going to bump your, your base salaries up every year. You know, we're going to, we're going to give you a bigger bump percentage wise per year to cover that. It's bad news. Here's why I like it though. Here's why I like it these guys are going to be miserable. And if you're good and on minimum salaries, they're going to be forcing owners' hands to get extensions when they become eligible. So there's a little bit of a, of a bittersweetness to that process, right? If, if guys were thinking about maybe just hanging out on their rookie contract until you know a cap boom or whatever happens, this kind of treatment over the next couple of seasons, when this becomes kind of commonplace and they see how this works and that there's just flat out tens of thousands less in their bank accounts, they're going to be more motivated to get to that second contract, that rookie extension. So, you know, that might come to bite a couple owners in the ass, quite frankly, if they have to pay some players earlier than expected. Well, let me jump on that. Are, are we about to see, instead of restructures where you're lowering salaries, you, you may have teams that want to restructure a player right now to just increase them a little bit above the minimum as a good faith. We want you here so you get that 17th game check, but wouldn't matter. does that even it'd count? Be, it'd, because be, it'd be a renegotiation after, after yeah, it wouldn't yeah, even matter. Wow. So there's, there's no yeah. getting it. You're either in or you're out right now is, is kind of the, is kind of the situation we're in. You asked about the per game active bonuses. It is my general educated assumption after talking to some people now that those things are unless stated otherwise. And I have seen some contracts this year that have said, if it's 16 games, it's this, if it's 17 games, it's this, um, and going back now, I'm going to have to now, and I have started, I'm going to run through every single current contract that, that contains per game active bonuses. And I have to divide them out of 17 instead of 16 from here out. So there's going to be actually some cap saved for teams. I'm going to, I'm going to free up, you know, 25 to 30,000 of cap here and there uh, per team, which is peanuts, but every, every little bit helps, I guess. So there will be some adjustments to the current contracts, but it won't be the base salary and it won't be that 18th, 18th week check unless I'm told otherwise, but th these are the assumptions right now. So this, this should eventually 
phase itself out over the CBA because if you're signing contracts yeah. after that 2020 February 2020 date, eventually all these guys should just be phased out of that because you know of being released or an extension or a restructure or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yep. It's just going to be as is divided by 18 instead of seven. Another thing to note, and it's it's just for cash per cash purposes, Scott, and it's kind of just an accounting thing and something we can talk to Robert about as well, uh, maybe in a show or two. The the pay structure is no longer that 17 week schedule. You know, now that it's on the 18, they didn't make they went 30, 36. So you're getting essentially half a game check every week and you get paid from week one through 18 weeks after the end of the regular season. They wanted the, mm. the players wanted that. They wanted a 36 week pay schedule just so that they're getting more money. They're getting money more weeks versus kind of a balloon payment for 17 weeks. It's you know right. makes a lot of sense from a logical standpoint. Yeah, it does. So just from a kind of like a three people in the world that care, that that has changed now uh, with the process going forward. But that's it. That's what we know or we think we know. So when you see some changes on the site, that'll be because of this conversation and this change. But um, outside of that, and I know we talked about it last time a little bit, Scott, there is hard, fast language right now in this CBA that says there, that during the iteration of this, this CBA term, which runs through the 2030 season, the regular season cannot go north of 17 games. Um, there, oh, interesting. There is an opt-out of this CBA after seven years, so about six years from now, which I imagine happens because don't they always happen? And, mm-hmm. and also, we've seen now amendments happen quite a few times to many of these leagues, especially with the COVID situation. So... You know, at what point does pressure come down from TV networks that or or how much do you know public opinion hates the odd number of games? I feel like that's common. Don't you feel like it's common that there's just gonna be people that hate that you can't have a an eight and eight season or or an even number season? That may be the loudest voice in all of this, not so much the money side of it, even though that's the most important voice. Well, I wonder yeah, you you speak of that. That's a great point because you know with betting, usually you know <laughs> eight and a half. Yeah. In which way you go in, you know it 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 can matter in some instances like that. So it, it is going to be interesting. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Obviously, there's a two year or so kind of grace period here. I would think before any anything serious starts to happen. But I can't imagine we're waiting ten years to go eighteen games. Can you? Oh God, no. Oh, I, so. I, and I and I bet. <laughs> And it may be where (laughs) this season it works gangbusters, the revenue is up or whatever happens. And then by March of 2022, we're already talking about 18 games. The amendment, right? All right. That's enough nerdy stuff. Um, NFL news wise, let's take a look at our NFL free agent tracker. And and while I load that, I know there was a kind of a, a surprising contract extension today, Scott. I know you helped me put that one in today. Tyler Lockett gets a almost $70 million four-year extension with the Seattle Seahawks. So there's a couple reasons why this is interesting. Um, about half of that is fully guaranteed from what I'm seeing. Obviously, we don't have the, uh, the, the full breakdown just yet. But here, here's why it's interesting to me, Scott, and I, I love your side as well. A, the Russell Wilson situation. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if he's not right. going to be here... Um, you know, do you already have plan B ready in the back of your mind so that you can kind of keep this train rolling? Because the other kind of questionable side of this is DK Metcalf's up for an extension after this season. And DK Metcalf, he's not going to cost $17.5 million a year like Tyler Lockett just got, okay? I mean, this guy's on a, on a trajectory to get Julio Jones money. So we're talking 23 to $25 million minimum in terms of what that guy has been able to do over the first couple of seasons of his career. So... um that's serious payday for wide receivers for a team that doesn't do this. They don't do this. They don't pay anybody. They kind of paid Chris Carson, although I feel they got great value to keep him around for a couple of seasons. They do not pay wide receivers like this. They go and find guys off the streets or bring guys off a of suspension, quite frankly, and kind of roll with the punches there. It's perfectly possible that this is the exact opposite of what I'm saying. And this is a power move for one of Russell Wilson's favorite players basically say to Russell, look, we're invested. I know we know you love this guy. We love this guy too. Now he's here for minimum three years based on how those guarantees look probably. So um, could just be getting the car before the horse. What do you think? I think it is a, what you just said, the power move of 
we're going to sign the, we're, we're going to do opposite of what we've usually done. We're going to sign this guy, show Wilson, we are in it for the long haul. We want him. They're going to do everything that they can to uh, persuade him to stay in Seattle for his career and go from there. I think it's right because they, they – I mean, yesterday they, it came out that they had already extended Gabe Jackson, the guard that they acquired from the Raiders. They put him on a pretty strong guarantee structure as well. So, you know, offensive lineman – star wide receiver, you know, another star wide receiver due to get paid soon. Those are, those are, uh, recruiting moves. Don't you think <laughs> those are, we yeah, got to keep our, we want to keep this quarterback. I'm, I'm, you know, I know what's been said for the last six weeks, but we really want to keep his quarterback. So this is as, as much as we can do right now, really without killing ourselves and, and, and going out there and saying, here's what, why haven't they just come out and said it? Why haven't they just come out and said, we're not, we are not going to be trading Russell Wilson this year. Yeah. Okay. I know. That's, yeah, well, I mean, it, what is wrong with people? <laughs> they're, they're trying to be too fancy and hold the, yes. their cards to their chest and be, you know, these poker players. The, the other thing I'll say is they don't have a 2022 first round pick. Yep. So not that they're going to be, you know, up in the top to get a quarterback. Well. But we see how all these <laughs> when we see all how how much is shuffled. I mean, we saw last week when we talked about we had all the draft trades and all that, sure. you know, and obviously they could get a first round pick back if they probably traded Russell with, you know, multiple first rounds and, and get those first round picks back. But right now they don't have that first round pick. So, uh, they have to operate as if it doesn't exist. And I think this is a, a move that Russell likes Lockett. And like you said, Metcalf is going to be up for an extension yeah. and just going to have to operate as is for the foreseeable future. No question. No question. There was some writing on the wall there. Uh, free agency in the NFL. We're, geez, what are we now? Are we two weeks? We are exactly two weeks past here. So here's the updated numbers according to what we have in the system. And it is probably about, honestly, about 90% of the reported contracts that we have in the system right now. 2.28 billion total value dollars. 1.1 billion fully guaranteed at signing almost for almost 49% right now. So that's a, that's up. It's up from even last year, which is really, really good. And, you know, when you talk about practical guarantees, you're over 55% of that 2.2 billion. So it's, it's solid numbers. I think, you know, the, 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 the milestone goal would be to get that guaranteed at sign over 50%, especially now that a lot of these contracts are shorter. We've only got, what do we have here? If I can quickly sort, we have, four contracts of five years plus that's it in terms of these free agent signings mm -hmm. and only about if i can do the quick about 12 four years plus everything else is three years or less so it's what we expected um but it's also meaning more guaranteed slightly more guaranteed i'd like, I'd like to see that closer to 50 if possible but we'll see how the uh next few weeks kind of shake out there's still some names out there there's no question about it it's not you know a loaded list anymore but there's, uh, there's some work to be done by all these teams. There's no question about it. However, I do think with the locket signing in the back of our head here, it is extension season. You know, you're going to start to see some real conversations about Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, um, TJ Watt, uh, you know, some of your bigger third-year eligible players that really are, are kind of due for their payday. And especially if they're, the guy's sitting on a fifth-year option right now, so, that, so the draft class prior to that, you know, Ryan Ramchek, a couple of those Saints players I can think off the top of my head, Lattimore, you're trying to lower cap hits there. So extensions to lower current cap hits, that's coming as well. Mm -hmm. So definitely that season, it's, uh, you know, the kind of the uh, end of free agency. The, the draft stuff is certainly picking up, and it's certainly extension season as well. Guess what else season it is, Scott? It is Dynasty Fantasy Football season. And uh, our partners over at Dynasty Owner are doing kind of God's work. Right? We've, we, have, we have dabbled in this before, Scott, kind of recreationally in terms of putting together a salary cap fantasy football league. And it is, boy, it is easier said than done. Let's just say that yes. out loud. There are yes. so many different things that could go wrong and do go wrong. And you really have to kind of go through the iterations and the beta testing to understand it as a whole. They've done the work and we were a part of that last year. It's an excellent product. There's a great app. It's a really easy setup and it's a lot of work. But if you know that if you're getting involved, you know, you're, you're signing up for salary cap dynasty fantasy football because the other stuff bores the hell out of you. 
Don't you think? Isn't that why you do it? You're just bored oh, with, the, with the daily back and forth. And, you know, you can kind of just pick rank your guys. Well, Christian McCaffrey is not a great draft in this league. Like he is in almost 95% of every, every other league because he's got a $16 million average salary. You know, you got to think a lot smarter than that in dynasty football with salary cap and all these extensions. Tyler Lockett's extension is going to matter to dynasty owner. So he went from, I think, $8 million a year to $17.5 million a year. So if you own him in Dynasty Salary Cap Football, you are reeling right now trying to figure out what to do with your salary cap situation. Visit DynastyOwner.com. Get yourself a team. You can play for cash prizes or you can play for free and just kind of see how this goes maybe for a year. But DynastyOwner.com is the place to start and uh, you will be hooked. It's a really nice product. You ready to talk some baseball? Let's do it. Let's do it. Opening day. You want to start with our picks or are we going to end with our picks? Uh, Let's end with our picks. All right. What do you got for me? All right. So I got a few questions here that I I thought of. Um, So out of the gate, let's go with who do you think is going to be the breakout player this year? A name that we got to be looking oh out God, for. Yeah, you got to prep me with these questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you made a comment, the uh, I think it was last night when we were drafting, you said, oh, I think that player is going to be a breakout player. I can't remember the name at this point either. But yeah. um, is, there, is there someone on the tip of your tongue that you can think of that, you know, you think may have that season or is going to be a – quote unquote household name as we get into a full 162. Yeah, it's a nice it's a nice question. Um you know, there's some kids out there that could really take steps forward. There's no question about it. Um and I don't want to bore you with the prospect talk. That's what we have cousin Dan for. But uh look anywhere on the on the Toronto Blue Jays could become the next face of the league. Truly. You know, Bo Bichette, Kevin Kevin Biggio Vlad Guerrero Jr. You've probably heard these names and maybe you've seen a couple of games, but they are, they are really starting to put this together now with some veterans around them. So that's just a team to watch in general. And maybe one of those players kind of really takes the next step forward. Same goes with the the White Sox. Although the player to mention, Elo Jimenez is out for basically four months with a torn pack. So there's a bit of a step back there, I I guess, you know, without doing like preseason awards, I'll give you a pitcher, um, and you probably know the name, but it's definitely something to watch. Lucas Giolito could win the Cy Young mm-hmm. in the American League. Um, that, that to me, he's on the right team right now. He's had enough experience. He's been bouncing around a couple of franchises. Uh, I think he's settled in and is re- really ready to kind of rip through the American League a little bit here. So starting pitcher-wise, Lucas Giolito. Relief pitcher, Devin Williams. The backup <laughs> closer in Milwaukee. A sneaky, deep team, Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Josh Hader's the guy there. They've been silently trying to trade him for a couple of years now. That may happen. And, and if so, you got to see this kid pitch. It is 104 and it moves. It's just filthy. So there's a name to watch. Um, I don't know. You know, Tatis, why not? The guy just got paid so much money without really doing anything on the field yet. And he's got some injury history in his, in his in a young career. So... Watch as much Fernando Tatis Jr. as you can this year because it could be one of the best experiences of your baseball life. <laughs> I mean, he is charismatic. He is he he works his ass off, which is infectious, you know, and that's the kind of stuff we need the rest of the league to kind of pick up on. But, you know, uh, that's definitely something to watch. And then, you know, you and I have said it before, but Juan Soto may be like mm-hmm. leg- a, a legend. He yes. is he is a, a non-cheating Manny Ramirez, as I've said before. So those are the names. I mean, there's some star power there, but those are the names to watch. There's no question about it. All right. So you mentioned some hater veteran there. Yeah. Uh, is there a veteran player that you expect to be traded midseason um, whether it's to the entire know, Cubs organization, the entire Cubs <laughs> yeah. organization, Anthony okay. Rizzo, Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, um, Craig Kimbrell, probably, um, they're on my short list, of course, of, of kind of burning it down midway through this thing. The Phillies could be in a similar conversation if they have a, I mean, they're in a brutal division that National League East, And if they start to struggle, they're just, they're bleeding so much cash right now. I don't know what they're going to do if they continue down that path. Um, outside of that, no, not really. Um, you know, I think teams are pretty happy with how the offseason went, give or take a few. The Dodgers probably want to shed some salary, 
like we talked about it last show, Scott, that they're they're pretty healthy, healthily over that tax right now. So there may be an arb guy, an arbitration guy or two that they they'd move on from that they know will get really expensive next year. And then Houston. I think Houston should be great, but Carlos Correa is up for a contract. Um, you know, what do they do with Verlander on the IR all year? He's up for a contract. Just some semantics there. Zach Greinke, if they if they falter a little bit, if they don't consider themselves contenders, I think they'd love to reverse course because they're they're not a big market. They're not the Dodgers, you know, Red Sox, Yankees, where they can continue down this cash path annually. You know, they're more in line with the Miami Marlins, the Tampa Bay Rays, who they can go on runs, but they got to get back to square one at some point and kind of replenish their cash. And and I think that may be one year away, but it could be this year. If they if they see the tea leaves, if they read those tea leaves in June, you know, they could be sellers at some point this year. So it's an interesting question. It's something I'll uh, I'll think a lot more of maybe mid-April as I start to see some things hash out here and I'll put the, put together a piece for it. But yeah, when you, when you're you, going to have some you sellers. Say, Go ahead. When, when you say Houston being sellers, are we talking like off-shedding? Could be Altuve. Altuve yeah, and Correa yeah. and... Yeah, so I know they just signed McCullers, but you yeah, know, that, that's what I meant with that buildup is they are not going to half asset. You know, they, they are not they're They're like Cleveland, Scott, where they didn't just trade three to one pitcher, Corey Kluber. They traded three. OK, um, it, it's going to have to be all or nothing. Effects? Are you are we already seeing that effect where Correa is saying, I don't want that extension right now? And he, you know, yeah, is that the tea leaves already? Him not wanting to sign that extension? No, I just think he he wants more than twenty a year, or he wants okay. more than one hundred and twenty million. They're trying. It sounds like they've upped their offer. I mean, look at it. with all of these extensions, we we have to put out there that there may not be baseball for a while, right? So, does Carlos Correa want to lock in one hundred and fifty million today, or does he want to take a chance on what could happen in a couple of years? The problem with that, like we may be done for two years. You know, these major league baseball and the players association absolutely hate each other. They, they don't have common ground on anything right now. So they're at zero when it comes to this next CBA, they're at absolute zero, maybe negatives. So it's going to take a lot of time. I don't know how much baseball we're going to miss, but that's something in the back of these guys minds who are at least in negotiation talks for, for new contracts. If this goes two years, Carlos Correa is now what 31. Well, what's that going to get him paid? If he doesn't have mm-hmm. a contract yet, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of that to be thought of is what happens if there's a two year hiatus and I'm now north of 30, you know, my value has gone. It's completely gone. So anyone who can kind of get those contracts now, we may see a run of maybe valued extensions because of what I just said, because guys will know and agents will be saying out loud, Hey, we should go and try to get whatever we can get for the next four to five years. Do you think that, the the restart of last season and the you know the the lack of a long season last mm. year has helped Houston with the whole cheating scandal because <laughs> you really don't hear much about it at all and then if we go through this season and then you do have a prolonged uh, CBA negotiation is is what they did just going to fall by the wayside it was always going to. I mean, they took their fine, they took their draft picks, but they also they didn't take their World Series away. So, so do they really care? No. I I give baseball fans a lot more credit than that. They're one of the smarter groups that go out there, um, and but then they've been you know holed up in their houses for eighteen months. So now that these things, I mean, I mean Texas, for instance, the Rangers are going to have basically a full stadium. So Houston's going to go to Texas to Arlington. I, I have faith. That the that the Arlington fans will give them the 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 badgering that they deserve this year, even though it's been so removed from that process. I have faith that there'll be at least some of it. And by the way, we're a copycat world, so if one fan base decides to start doing it, then it'll 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 catch on with the rest of them. Will we see a significant extension once the season has started? I mean, we know. Frankie Lindor's got his deadline and everything. We'll see if that happens here in the next 24 hours. But do you, once the season starts, do you expect to see any significant extensions, or is it just going to be status quo going yeah. into knowing we don't, knowing we don't have, may not have baseball? Yeah, for- that's that's what I don't know. I don't know how people are being kind of 
educated or coached with that whole process? Is it, let's just pause and see where we are. I mean, obviously it would have to have to do with the age, in my opinion, what age are you now? What age will you be yeah. then? But look, we talk shortstops. I mean, Trevor Story, Corey Seager, Trey Turner, Frankie Lindor, Carlos Correa, those could all be free agents. They're all expiring contracts. So, you know, Noah Syndergaard, Michael Conforto, there's there's quite a lot of names out there that are eligible. Um, I, I think the opening day deadline is kind of nice. It's a nice thing to say out loud because deadlines spur actions, as our friend Andrew Brandt likes to say, but I think if uh, you know the Mets come back with $375 million in May, Frankie Lindor will say, oh, well, we should probably reopen up negotiations again, <laughs> right? Because there's always a price that can uh, pique somebody's interest. So, so I do think so, we'll see some in-season stuff, especially those players that don't want to deal with what could what the lockout could bring. Right, and that, that, that's a good point because if, say, that scenario did happen, he did sign it, you know, does he get paid during the lockout or yeah. does that uh, do all those years Toll. shift? Yeah. 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 So, so two, two years out of your, you know, prime could be, you know, affected on that back. Unfortunately so. that, that gives the owners more power because they know right. that the players don't want to sit and not make money. And, you know, we've already had a tough year financially. So there's a lot swinging on the uh, owner's side right now before we even start. So it's, I think it's going to be super ugly, super, super ugly. So yeah, we shall see. What else? Um, you know, I looked at the injured reserve list the last couple of years outside of last year because it was obviously prorated down. Yeah. But, you know, looking back at 16, 17, 18, 19, those years, the cumulative dollars that had been on the injured list has gone up every year. Now we had a shortened season. We had some, you know, some spring training. We've seen injuries. Do you expect that to continue to go up because salaries are higher or is it just an anomaly that, you know, they just happen to go up every year? What do you think? Well, one of the reasons I definitely think that the numbers are higher is they did add that seven day concussion protocol. So, Okay. You know, that wasn't even a thing four years ago, right? Right. I mean, you got, you know, you, you took a, a knock somewhere, you just didn't play for a couple of days and then you're right back in it. Whereas now there's an actual protocol. Like if you get, if you go through the process and there's even an inkling that you had some kind of your belt rung, you're going on the seven day shelf. So they're going to continue to go up because of that alone. And also there's the shift between the seven, the 10 and the 60. So, um, look, it's not just about injuries. It's roster manipulation. You know, there's now this taxi squad and this alternate spring training kind of thing. And there's a lot of players that teams want to be able to move up and down kind of freely. The, the daily transactions in hockey and baseball are our data input nightmare. <laughs> Let me just say that out loud. Uh, it is, there is nothing better than like all-star break for me to be able to sit back and have coffee without going crazy. But it is... Uh, Teams like this. Teams like to be able to save a couple thousand here and there by sending guys down to the alternate site and bringing up some cheaper guys and things like that. So, if you can, if there's any reason to put a guy on a 10 day list to be able to get a cheaper body in, they'll do it. They'll definitely do it to keep, to keep him off uh, a 40 man, off, you know, in terms of a long term injury, things like that. So, it's not just injuries, but there is, there is you know, a, a, a greater eyeball, a greater focus on. You know, if a guy has high ankle sprain, that's going to be more long term. If a guy gets his bell rung, it's no longer just a couple of games off. But keep it just keep in mind that there's also salary manipulation too, which you see in the NBA quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So let me ask you this: with the, you know, the seven, the ten, fifteen, you know, do teams? Do they do a ten day and then a ten day and then a ten day? No, they just stay on. They just sometimes on. it'll so, get converted to a 60 day because then that player comes off the 40 man roster. So if a guy is designated as a 10 day, yeah, they don't have to come off on that no. 11th day. Nope. They just have to stay on for a minimum 10, but they could be on for 70. <laughs> oh, so it's a minimum. It just, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's I, new. And that's why the, and that's, the prices have gone up, Scott, because like I said, those concussions are no longer just two days off. It's minimum seven days off. 
Gotcha. And that always threw me off because I'm like, all right, these guys have been on. It says, you know, when you're doing fantasy, it says 10 day DL or IL. And you're like, all right, it's been way more than 10 days and they're still on this. So I thought I always thought it of it as they had a maximum of 10 days on and then they would have to re up. It's not like renting a library book. (laughs) You don't have to renew your IL list. Um, Okay, that makes sense. I got one for you. Albert Pujols is currently at 662 home runs. Does he hit the 38 to get to 700 this year? Or does he hit the 30? I think he needs 30, 34 to tie Alex Rodriguez for fourth all time. Either of those two things happen. 38, 34. That's a lot. What are, yeah. Let me tell you what he's I, had the past couple here. Right. So shortened season last year. He had six. So it's not looking good. He had 23 in 2019. Uh, no, he's not going to make it. No? He hasn't hit no. 30 since 2016. No, no. I don't think he makes it. Okay. I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance that he knows you this is they, it. And he you just, think the Angels are going to play him more? Well, no, because I actually think they, they're, they're halfway good this year. But uh, And look, Otani's going to want to take some DH spots away from him. So there's a chance he doesn't get the enough at-bats to really get it done. But in the same breath, yeah, he, he's going to be pushing for it because I think he knows this is it. This is going to be the end of the line. So I, I, I'm rooting for it. I think 700 is a great number for him, and uh, he's one of the all-timers. There's no question about yes. it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, what non-player entity are we going to hear more now that we have a, an actual full season going ahead here? Mm-hmm. Are we going to hear more about, you know, the baseball being changed or the spin rate with pitchers and the analytics trying to see who yeah. is, you know, spiking the ball per se, or are we going to hear more about the CBA and pending allegations or the robo umps or, you know, ex- expanded playoffs? What do you think we're going to hear more of through broadcasts or through media once it starts? I mean, getting on the umpires is always kind of a thing. Um, but there's a lot of jobs that, to be lost there. So I wonder if there's going to be a pullback from the media. You know what I mean? <laughs> to kind I of, do. Let's not bring that up too much, even though it, we all know it may be better for the game. I'm not on that. I'm not in that camp. I, I, I kind of like the inconsistency of it for whatever reason. But um, can, I, can I go off the board? Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. I, I think the one that we might hear the most about, and I, I, I do think it's here. Yeah, I think we're going to hear a lot about the extra innings because they're sticking with it. Runner on second, okay. uh, just kind of to expedite the process, to shorten the games. I think it's really going to work. I think it is going to make the regular season feel a little a little swifter. There's going to be a little bit more intrigue. It's not as gimmicky as an, an NHL shootout, you know, or, or PKs in soccer. It's it's just kind of really nice, and I thought I was going to hate it. I thought it was going to be too video gameish, too arcadeish. I, th- I think it's great, and I, and I think the the purpose of it is certainly to you know to stop stop us from having twenty one inning games in the middle <laughs> of May, you know, when only me and five other people are sit, still sitting up watching those games. I I just think it works, and I think there's going to be a positive takeaway from that alone, and that's something that the league should really focus on. That they they got one right, you know. <laughs> And they're doing the seven inning double header, double headers again. Correct? Sunday double headers will be seven and two seven inning games. So you know, I, I'm bullish on that. I, I would love it from a fan standpoint. If I lived in a city where I could go to that kind of regularly, I'd love it. But I, I don't know how that's going to be taken away. You know, is that still going to be considered too much baseball? We'll see. Yeah. All right. Last one before we get to some picks here. No universal DH as of right, right now. Um, so. Which pitcher is going to get the first home run of the season? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, Otani. Oh, there's been, because there's been a lot of pitching changes, you yeah. know, with trades and everything. And Does Otani count, a- even though he's going to be a DH when he does it? <laughs> no, he doesn't count. He's in the AL. Um, what National League pitcher is going to hit the first home run? I'm going to go old school. I'm going to say it's oh, – is, it, is he going to pitch opening day? Give me a second. I got to do some research here. This guy loves hitting home runs. I'm just going to assume he is. I think he is. Madison Bumgarner. 
Arizona Diamondbacks. Oh, An opening nice. day pitcher home run. That's my call right now. All right. Nice. Let's I make, like that. Let's make some picks. <laughs> yes, let's do it. Go ahead. All right, let's start with um, Cy Young. You want to do Cy Young? Sure. Jacob DeGrom and, and Lucas Giolito. <laughs> Any <right>. questions? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. You, you don't think Garrett Cole? I don't. I think for some reason, whether it's injuries again or a rise of the Red Sox out of nowhere, that the Yankees don't have the 100-win season that everybody thinks they're going to have. I just don't. Yeah, they've they've been really plagued with injuries. They're already having injuries yeah. going into the season again. So I, I agree. I, I listening to you and cousin Dan, I was definitely thinking the under on the yeah. Yankees just because they're they've been plagued. So um, let's go MVP. Mm. Okay, so last year we had. Two players, neither of whom went to the World Series, <laughs> right? Close. Freddie Freeman almost got there, NLCS. Uh, I'm going to go against every fiber in my body, and I think it's going to be a brave again. I'm, I'm going to go Acuna. I, I <laughs> think Ronald I Acuna is going to be the MVP in the National League. Yeah, that's who I have. And American League-wise, boy, it's hard not to just love Mike Trout this year, even though he's the leader in the clubhouse, of course. I think it's right. I think the Angels are better than we all think they are, and why wouldn't it be because of him, right? Yeah, they they made a push here the last couple of days. Yeah. All right, I'm going pretty jockey. Mike Trout, Ronald Acuna Jr., MVPs. All right, I got Ronald Acuna Jr., and I had Luis Robert. Okay, fair enough. 22 to 1 if you want that out. Yeah. All right, let's go with... NL AL winners and then your World Series pick. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um, I, I don't know if I'm ready on the White Sox or the Blue Jays yet. Are you? Are you going with one of those young teams? Uh, I I do. I have, I have the White Sox and the Braves. <laughs> okay. Well, that makes sense so, with your MVPs. Um, I do. The Braves were so close last year, and you know the the White Sox—they just it, it might be their year. Oh, I hate doing this. I think the Astros might get there. Okay. Do we want an Astros Dodgers rematch? <laughs> oh my God! Wouldn't that be phenomenal? Yeah, it we goes want, back to what yeah, we were we talking that. about before. Yeah, we want an Astros-Dodgers rematch. That's what I'm going for right there. You can get about 12 to 1 if you want that. If you want to parlay those two together. 12 to 1 on that one. Boy, that's good okay. for baseball. Before it all blows up. Do you think the... Do you think the Dodgers so, repeat? So you're, you're not calling... You think the Braves knocked the Dodgers out this year? Uh, yeah, and San Diego. Yeah. For, you know. <laughs> do, who, who do you think wins that division? Dodgers, Padres. Yeah, you know, you and Dan I'm not. I'm not betting again the Dodgers. You, you know, they may not win as many games as Vegas says they will, but I think they'll do enough to win. They are just so darn deep. Scott, we got Justin Turner in like the 24th round of fantasy yesterday. I know. I mean, insane. what are we doing here? These guys are so deep. They're going to have four guys in AAA that would start on two thirds of the league. It's just nuts. It's nuts. So I would never bet against that kind of depth uh, because they can withstand COVID and, and injuries and all sorts of things. They're just so deep. Um, so that's, that to me is a division winner. I think, I do think the Mets win the division. I just don't know if they're postseason ready. And that's why I don't have them going much farther right now, but I think the Mets end up winning this division somehow, you know, maybe I'm just being biased here. I, I do think the Brewers surpass the Cardinals in that NL central. I think the Brewers are deep and a couple of fantasy drafts have really kind of shown that to me. Like, holy cow, these guys have three starters, three legit closers, and a really sneaky good lineup that they kind of pieced together in free agency this year. Sneaky, sneaky good. Um, so I, I would put them on the long run there in the National League. AL East, you pick it. Are the Yankees going to win the AL East? Yeah. Yeah, I think I so, think too. So. I just don't think it's going to be 100 so. wins. But I think they can still win the AL East. 
Um, but they may be too battered and beaten to, to get through that postseason like we've seen the past couple of seasons. I think we're both on Chicago, the White Sox, right? Even though that's there's some sneaky good competition yep, there. I'm on them. And then obviously I'm taking Houston if I think they're going through here. But the Angels are going to be right there. Yeah, it, that Oakland team is interesting too. You know, just doesn't seem showed, like they're going to be as good as last year, doesn't it? Yeah, they've showed some flashes, but I think with what the Angels have done, they are better than they were. They, they've they've helped themselves. So that's a leapfrog for me. Yeah, and and it goes to what you said earlier. You know, if the Astros find that they're not doing so well and they decide to sell early, That's a fair point. Then that could definitely change the outlook of that West, and I could see the Angels winning that because Seattle's not going to. I don't think Seattle's no, going to be here, and the Rangers are definitely not going to be anywhere near. Cousin Dan thinks maybe the worst team in baseball, even with the Orioles. Texas Rangers. Uh, yeah, he, so, I do remember him so saying the that. the fact that they're opening up to, 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 uh, to 100% capacity fans may not be a problem because by like May 1st, nobody will, go, will want to be going there anyway. Uh, <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, some language there. All right. So you've got who winning? I'm going to go Atlanta. All right. I'm going to take the Dodgers to repeat, which is not a smart thing to do, but I haven't seen a team this deep, this good. And Still, they're not even that much over the cap, the tax base, which is crazy. You know, they could, right. you, they could like you said, they could, they could repeat. Still. Yeah, they could, they could trade some pieces, repeat, and be under the tax threshold. It would just be incredible. So, something who, to keep an eye out. Who, who's going to have a bigger year, Seeger or Bellinger? Well, Seeger needs a payday. And right. you know how I operate. Anybody who needs a contract generally works just a little harder. It's just in the back of their mind kind of kind of all the time. Maybe that turns into him pressing, you know. And uh, But he had a monster spring, Corey Seager, an absolute monster spring. So if, he, if it's any indication of where he is mentally and focus-wise, uh, I would bet on him all day here. Okay. Awesome. Good stuff. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com for all of this MLB opening day information. Theathletic.com slash spot track gets you 40% off your first year subscription. Check out dynastyowner.com. Get your fantasy dynasty football game started today. It's time. There's plenty of new contracts in, including Tyler Lockett's just a few minutes ago. For Scott Allen. My name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. 